Hello and welcome to the final episode in this series for Tea Room Talks with me, Toby Peacock. Thank you all so much who have listened so far to this second series as I've tried to dig deeper into the industries and topics that can boost our understanding. So to recap what we've had in series two and what we've discussed, we've covered topics and conversations such as suicide prevention, professional therapy, understanding mental health disorders, sport and therapy groups, substance misuse, understanding the brain, male mental health, construction apprenticeships, animal therapy and eating disorders. As always, thank you so much to the guests that featured in this series. It could not have been done without any of you. The support and information you have given me has helped many others as well as myself with perhaps feeling a bit more educated and reassured perhaps what's going on in their own lives. So what's been happening since this series? Well, interestingly enough, there are some topics that have actually occurred during the series that have cropped up around the news that I think would be interesting to mention. So, within the news and mental health, police forces in England and Wales have laid out plans to drastically reduce the number of mental health call-outs they respond to. Now, this was reported in July this year, uh, leading into a couple more topics within August. And it describes that under the new framework that the police force will only attend 20 to 30 percent of what was referred to as health and social care incidents within the next two years, down from 80 percent. Officers will only respond to areas where they feel like public safety is at risk and a crime is being committed, not to, to do welfare checks or patients who have perhaps missed critical appointments. So what would your thoughts be on this? You know, my personal take is I suppose it makes sense. However, it does create a bit of a conflicting argument. You can't expect the police force with government and public funding to respond to calls that aren't necessarily within the role required. However, there are going to be some instances that are going to be hard to judge and what services exactly are needed no doubt there's going to be times where police are going to be required in those danger moments to others who are perhaps dangerous to themselves or others you know an example those who are perhaps isolated or perhaps in a more vulnerable situation but in that example you know what happens with where you don't know what services are required where you do have that isolated person who is perhaps in an unpredictable state and potentially volatile is that then going to be left for local care staff, family, friends or a local service that now will be in danger for perhaps an unknown um, you know, mental episode that might be happening? And would it be argued that more categorisation is going to be required? But is that then going to lead to an increase of difficulty? You know, from the police, you can't waste police time and we all know that wasting the funding there isn't, going to be the most ideal thing for the economy and I suppose the question is who steps in are more services going to pick up the slack for this now that the police force are going to withdraw from items like that it's not having a poke at the problems but it's more just I'm curious as to what will happen in the future you know are the NHS and local services going to be the ones now that will suffer more with volatile behavior or perhaps assaults as they find that they're going to be picking up the extra items where police might be called for a potentially dangerous situation 
or is there going to be new strategies in where people are going to be able to handle and deal with these calls better um, but it will will it potentially lead to staff shortages in these areas because naturally they perhaps won't be able to respond as quickly as as the police can quite simply it would be interesting to know what you reckon to that and what your thoughts would be on on that situation now the next item that caught my attention is statistics for mental health within children and young adults now that was within june of this year um, and it describes a record of 1.4 million children and young people sought nhs help for mental health problems last year 2022 amid concern that under 18s are struggling with issues including money and their education the number of school-aged children being referred to child and adolescent mental health services has undergone what they've described as an explosion in the last three years soaring by 76 percent since 2019 that's the NHS figures that show that. So with looking at the larger picture in this, it's extremely difficult. With numbers like that, the examples are so big and it's hard to think of ways or reasons as to why this is. Surprisingly, 27% of this is still to do with the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. For some ways to perhaps paint a picture of the effects of what might have happened to these children or young adults during this time can include the increase of more impacts such as OCD like contamination OCD, you know, stressing out about cleaning or hygiene. You've got relationship breakdowns, family or parents that may have obviously found the pandemic difficult. So an increase of things like um, divorces or separation lack of socialising for a couple of years, you know, everyone felt them effects, uh, certainly being younger, it's really important for people and it's part of their development, getting to grips with life and everything that comes with it, especially where, you know, you're a teenager with emotions and hormones and you're changing moods, being isolated and unable to vent to perhaps people you'd normally see every day or your friends is justifiably a, a reasonable feeling that you, you won't be able to shift and you'll feel even more isolated or even more lonely um, with with the way that you feel. Now, the next factor within those figures is also that 58% of that is related to money worry. And I think that is honestly, like it just shows the state of how we are all thinking at the moment. It's hard when even parents and adults are looking at the cost of living mortgage rents bills and they're wondering how on earth will my kids ever be able to afford a house or university fees or get a decently paid job within the economy at the moment to back all those things that you need to keep afloat in life on the backside of the thoughts about money and tying it in with mental health you know, what are the impacts going to be like with keeping on top of support services for mental health? Naturally, there is always pressure within the mental health industry and pressure to keep on top with the rolling amount of patients. And those in need, will this change what we're going to see? Are we going to see a change in services? Are we going to see an increase in services because the pool of people and those that need help is much larger? Or are we going to see a decrease because of the cost of living and the impacts around 
the nature of the industry and how tough it is to be within that industry. I think it's just going to be a very interesting few months or year or so to see what is going to happen from from here on. Certainly one to keep an eye on and I hope it's going to be in the good direction but obviously there's a few problems here that will need to change and of course these are things that contribute to you know this podcast they're things that will affect everyone and makes everyone under that blanket of mental health it all just you know ties in together and everything out there is within these figures and statistics whatever it might be so it's definitely going to be something to watch within the future and finally something that's been cropping up in the news throughout a few times in last year and this year Uh, an industry that is a very difficult industry and suffers with a lot of isolation and certainly suicide and depression. Vets and farmers, especially those within poultry and livestock, have seen a significant rise of mental health cases drastically in the past year due to the recent bird flu and bovine TB outbreaks. In the past year, some farmers have described themselves as being on their knees with the recent outbreaks, It's been ruining their livelihoods and obviously leading to more stress and heartbreak in some examples of dairy farms having to put mass amounts of cows down due to these bovine TB outbreaks and naturally then the pressure that comes from that. This is their livelihoods, it's how they make their money, it's where their cog is within the industries within the UK leading to shortages, closure of some farms, obviously the impact of their mental health, putting the animals down and the costs that come with that. Farmers have reported feelings that their voices uh, have felt unheard and they don't have a platform to talk about their experiences of the last year. So this leads to other parts of the industry. Um, Certainly here we've mentioned vets, but we've also got sanctuaries and zoos. So you've got staff within them that they're feeling the effects of being the bad guy or the person that has got to report that they have bird flu or they have had bovine TB and they're exterminating these animals and certainly in zoos and sanctuaries exterminating birds of prey and poultry many of them have really felt the effects and unable to deal with the impact it's had on their mental health of putting birds they perhaps cared for down recently and it's just another example of industries out there that are suffering and had to adapt to things in the last year you know it's just shown that every industry needs training and advice in mental health because surprisingly when these training services are offered it's the industries that are the most isolated like farming that shows that it has such an isolated community and workforce that's so overlooked you know you've got long hours long shifts that can lead to a lot of overthinking a lot of hard manual work could obviously lead to physical fatigue which then soon leads on to mental fatigue and naturally within that you've got the attitudes and the lack of understanding within the industries because they won't perhaps take that time aside to learn about their mental health so Certainly one to think about and a reminder to chill out the next time you're stuck behind a tractor. You know, it's a pretty tough industry and tough job they do. So a couple of questions that have cropped up during this series for us. Number one, how has your mental health been recently? Well, honestly, up and down, and that's absolutely fine. 
it's been difficult sometimes processing what goes in and on in life in general. It's always been like that for me. I struggle a lot with OCD and in particular the thought processes with OCD. Now with that a lot of people when you hear OCD they think physical compulsions like wanting to close the door 20 times before leaving the house or being super clean but it's hard to imagine but you've got what I struggle with which is almost the mental visual and intrusive thought compulsions sometimes I will have intrusive thoughts or compulsive thoughts images or scenarios that will never ever happen to me however my mind ponders through these different scenarios and options, you know, the different questions of always, what if, and what if this happened, what if you did this, or what about if this person did that, and it can get pretty tiring some days, and it can get the better of me, and working in a manual job, it can be hard to make sure that I have enough mental strength If I'm physically fatigued, I can just think I've had enough. Um, It's hard to understand and I really do push that I know as a listener it may sound like a bizarre thing to get yourself in a twist about. But look it up, honestly, educate yourselves and anyone that you might know about it, read up on it. It's so, so common um, but the misconceptions on it are so huge. And the the easiest way to just describe it is the way that I've thought with my OCD is it's always trying to generate thoughts of how you can be the worst person in the world. So you can see how it would get the better of you. Uh, another question is, what have we learned this season? Well, a lot, I hope. Uh, it's been obviously great to learn and listen to others. I've discussed misconceptions about male mental health that men really do want to talk and that was with Dr Stephanie Fitzgerald. Within those environments people will often say to me oh men don't want to talk about their mental health (laughs) and it's just not true it's just (laughs) not true but what happens is that we tell men oh men don't want to talk about their mental health and so then if you are a man who does want to talk about their mental health you've somehow been told that you're not supposed to, or somehow that permission's been removed from you. And it's the biggest myth. I can honestly say, you know, as someone I've worked clinically, you know, for close to 20 years now, and my caseload is always predominantly male. Um, Whenever I run uh, workshops or I give a keynote, the audience is predominantly male. Men want to talk about their mental health. So we need to stop telling men that they don't want to talk about their mental health. And we need to start giving them the opportunities to talk openly about their mental health in the same way that we give people opportunities to talk about their physical health. We've discussed the ongoing battle within construction and with mental health, and this was with Anna Costello. So under mental health, two people die from suicide in construction every day, and that's the highest uh, highest suicide rate than any other sector. 52% of workers have experienced suicidal thoughts and one in four know someone in the sector that has attempted suicide. So that's fairly, you know, fairly high. And then with Jacqueline Claydon, we looked into what it's like to work within the mental health industry to try and gradually lower people's guards to allow them to talk about perhaps what's going on with their thoughts and feelings. We are 
socialised, aren't we, to be, be okay? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. And we don't talk about the inner depths of our feelings. We quite often don't even allow ourselves to feel the inner depths of our feelings because we've got to zip up, get out to work, like you say, and crack on. So really just a small few examples there of a handful of the topics and questions that have been posed to the guests this season and conversations that it's really generated and information that it's helped spread. So the final question is, is there going to be a Series 3? Now, quite simply, yes. There are far more topics, conversations, people and areas to educate myself and certainly others And I can't wait to get cracking with a new series to continue spreading this awareness and important information to all. Finally, I want to thank you all so, so much. I honestly can't tell you how much it means to have regular listeners to to this podcast who share my passion for making things just that little bit better for others and boosting learning and learning more about ourselves. So... Thank you all once again, and I look forward to welcoming you back for Series 3. As always, keep an eye on our social media pages and stay in touch.